Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the 20th chapter of Acts, verses 17 to 27. And I'd invite you to read along in your Bibles. It can be found on page 132 of the Pew Bibles. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. This is the word of the Lord. A little recap here to give us context. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and is in Miletus, which is a town about 50 miles south of Ephesus. Paul, as you can tell from our passage, has spent extensive time in Ephesus, and the people there are dear to his heart. So he sends for the leaders in Ephesus to come down, and when they arrive, we get Paul's farewell speech to the leaders. Farewell speeches are common in our culture. Parting is such sweet sorrow, especially when it is a leader saying goodbye to the people. I was at a meeting of pastors this week, and one of the things that we discussed is when you pastor a group of people, you grow to have a close affinity for them. They begin to feel like family. They begin to feel like your people. A people you are responsible for. A people you live with and walk through the highest highs and lowest lows of life. And in thinking of this passage this week, I began to notice how it felt a little strange to be preaching less than two months into my time as your pastor, and I am preaching on Paul saying goodbye to one of his most beloved communities. Reflecting on the passage, I found it focused me in on what Paul teaches me as a model for how to live with and amongst you and serve and shepherd in our time together as people and pastor. So if you would permit me this morning, I would like to talk about us, me and you, the people of our church family. See, I feel that in this passage, God gives pastors a model for how to live. And I feel it is important to share this with you as I begin my my time with you as one of your pastors. Fred Craddock, a pastor himself and a leading teacher, teacher on preaching, says that it is important for a new pastor to convey to his people what they can expect of him and what he will expect of them. Through our time spent together, I hope that you will hear from God regarding the latter part, 
But this morning I would like to highlight what I feel this passage says to me in terms of my calling to live and serve amongst you. So a few of the things that I think I can take away from this passage. First of all, Paul begins by highlighting the way in which he lived. He writes, you know how I have lived the whole time I was with you. So I will seek to live life with you in a way that through our time together, I will be able to confidently say that you know how I lived. It is my hope that in our lives together, my life would be an example, a model to the life we are called to live in God. Paul uses his life as a strong example in his ministry to his communities. Paul calls his people to be imitators of him as he imitates Christ. This was intimidating at first because I know the shortcomings in myself. And I know many of you well enough to know that you know these too. But in reflecting on this, it is not the lack of failures or shortcomings that I need to be able to demonstrate but the way to live life with God through grace and faith, bearing these things and being redeemed in them and blessed by God in the midst of them. So I will not be seeking to live a life without failures, shortcomings, or mistakes, but hopefully to live a life with God, modeling to you how we are continually redeemed and restored by his love and his grace. Second, in this life together, Paul highlights how he served his people with great humility and tears in the midst of severe testing. Paul provides a humble and heartfelt example to his people. I've already been to visit several of our community in the hospital, attended two of our funerals, and led another. Paul sounds intense in this passage, but the parts of our lives we will share together will be the highs and the lows, the beginnings and the ends, and many parts in between. I am afraid we will be sharing many tears together, but fortunately also many joys, victories, and celebrations. And because of the hard times, I will likely invite and encourage us to celebrate and take note of the victories all the more. Third, in the midst of these highs and lows, Paul does not hesitate to preach and teach anything that would be helpful to his people. Paul also talks about how he has not hesitated to proclaim to them the whole will of God. Wow, the whole will of God and not to hesitate preaching. I have to tell you, this is a big and intimidating space. And following our seasoned pastors and teaching to such a faithful and experienced congregation is intimidating. So sometimes I do hesitate. And conveying this message of the whole will of God is challenging because sometimes the things that God has to say to us are difficult for people to hear. So they are, they are hard to say to the people you love. But as Paul highlights this morning, as one of your pastors, I am responsible to share with you this whole will of God not only the easy parts. So there will be times when I am called to, called to tell you uplifting things. Things like, nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
and God's peace is always with us, which are both very, very true. But I will also have to share with you truths like, if you do not know God personally, this will be a very hard life. And if you do not seek to live this life of faith in the context of community, it simply will not work. Or as Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to the Father, before you go out to live as I call you to live in the world, wait, wait here until you receive the Holy Spirit from on high. There are days when the message from God I will be called to share with you will be difficult, but I will always seek to do it out of love and do my best to make sure it is from God. But if I only give you the easy parts of the gospel and leave out the difficult ones, I will be doing all of us a disservice. And as Paul makes it clear, I would still be responsible for you. So fourth, while teaching from the whole will of God, Paul teaches them publicly and from house to house. For Paul to convey these truths of the gospel with his teachings and with his life, He could not just meet with the people in public gatherings. Paul had to get to know his people in intimate, personal ways so they could see him, see him much closer than from pew to pulpit. If the only way you know me is from my perch in this pulpit, you will not know much of me. You will get 15 to 20 minute sermons exegeting the text and our lives and giving you examples and questions to take back to yours. But life is not lived in a pulpit, and if this is all you know of me, you will not know enough. Now we live in a big church, and we have a big family. I know what a big family is like. My mom is one of six kids. So I know what these big family gatherings are like. When we all get together for a family event like a wedding, I can only spend a few minutes with each of my relatives. I counted this week when the whole family on my mom's side gets together, there are 52 people. But I don't have much time to spend with most of them. It's mostly, hey, how are you doing? How have the last five years been? Good to see you. See you in another five. But four years ago, I lived in Washington, D.C., where my mom is from. And one of my aunts and uncles basically adopted me. They would have me over for dinner on a regular basis, and when the weather was nice, we'd play golf, and when their kids came to town, we'd hang out. Through this time, having dinner at their house, spending time with their family, staying with them for the holidays, out-of-town relatives became in-town relatives. And I got to know them on a whole different level. No longer was it... How have you been the last five years? But now I was with them on a regular basis. I ate at their table. I played with their grandkids. I stayed with them for holidays. In essence, we became family. I began to affectionately refer to my aunt as my East Coast mom. Now I know we have about a thousand people here on a Sunday, so I won't get to know many of you this well. In the same way that Jesus had Peter, James, and John, I will know some of you more than others. But I hope to know many of you 
at least beyond this pulpit. Finally, this morning in our scripture, we learn that Paul is led by the Spirit. Paul is not sure what lies ahead for him in Jerusalem, except that it includes hardships, being in chains, and even imprisoned. There will be times when God leads us to places and we will not know what is coming, but we will know that it will be difficult. This highlights the necessity of being led by the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his very own soul? There will be unknown and hard times ahead when we will be heading into things where most will be unclear, except that God is leading us there and it will be hard. But this is why it is crucial that we be led by God's spirit. So I will seek to be led by the spirit to be heading where God is calling us, no matter what lies ahead, even unknown or hard times. In preparing this sermon this week, many of the commentaries made a very good point regarding all that Paul highlights in this passage. It is all in relation to living out the call of God in our own lives. In other words, it is not about faith as merely right belief, but instead as right belief being lived out. Will Willimon writes that Jesus wasn't about holy ideas. He was about holy living. I am hopes that our time, in our time together, it will be marked by this way, not about holy ideas, but by holy living. And I hope that when that day comes when I have to bid you farewell, I will be able to stand in this pulpit and, like Paul, say that I have lived among you through good times and in bad, from this pulpit and in the midst of your lives that I have not hesitated to preach that which is helpful to you, that I have shared with you the whole will of God, and that I have been led by the Spirit. Only two months into my time with you, this seems like a great goal, but a very, very big task. I think for now I will just focus on loving you well. I thank you for this opportunity to be one of your pastors leading you in this life with God, and I look forward to our lives together. Amen.